Welcome to Canoe Creek Christian Church's podcast. Our mission is to help others connect with Christ, grow together, and go share Jesus with their world. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Drive. Our services are Sunday morning at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. You can also find our services online through Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening today. Uh, certainly a great song that is a, um, a summary, so to speak, of the concept of what we've been talking about, our theme of the year, and, and especially the sermon series we are trans- transitioning into today. Uh, the song before, the lyric in that song before it too, that, that caught my eye was uh, uh, basically the enemy shaking uh, the graveyard springing to life. I was like, that is such a cool lyric in that song. It, it really encourages and inspires, I think, as well. It's a good time for a transition. Uh, fair's over. Right? Some of you are like breathing a sigh of relief, especially you 4-H'ers. Like, thank God everything's done and over and everything. And so as we focus our attention onto the cross and onto Easter, we wanted to move into this series from the Gospel of John, but it's certainly not comprehensive in any way. Is there ever a comprehensive sermon series, by the way? But we wanted to focus in on some of those last very intentional and very intense things that Jesus shared, John chapter 14 through 17. You know, it's interesting when you look at the Gospels, there's a and it should be, there's a disproportionate amount focused in on those last weeks and last hours of Jesus' life compared to everything else. And it makes sense. And so uh, we're going to be exploring there over the next few weeks and, and looking forward to that. Uh, I, I was reminded of something that uh, Timothy Keller had talked about before, and it was a great statement. Basically, he was looking at how uh, in Japanese culture, uh, they don't really have a view of, of in life, in times type stuff, like a life after death type view. And, uh, and, and there was a reporter that was, a Western reporter that was talking to this person, this Japanese doctor. Basically, you know, a Japanese doctor, if somebody is dying of cancer, they won't tell them that they have terminal cancer. And many of the patients will not ask what kind of cancer that I have. And this reporter having this conversation with this Japanese doctor is a little bit puzzled by that because of the, obviously because of the, 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 the way that works itself out. And basically the doctor said, you have to understand that people in Japan do not generally believe in an afterlife, so death is harder to accept. Now, I, I thought that the response that Timothy Keller had to that was, point on. I mean, it was spot on. He he contextualizes the gospel pretty well. And he said, uh, maybe he basically was saying the Japanese are giving us people in Western culture too much credit. He said, maybe the Japanese deny deny death uh, by not asking their doctors anything, but Americans deny death by suing their doctors for everything. Because you see, it's not supposed to happen. Great statement. It's a really great statement. Uh, both are the same issue. They're just coming from a different perspective. I mean, think about how many thousands, millions, billions of dollars that are spent on advertisements to convince you that if you have this product, you're going to reverse aging or something. Like, that's really going to happen. I'll never forget a satirical article from this one uh, paper that always put out these funny articles. They said, doctors surprised in advancement of medical procedures, death rate remains at 100%. You know, but we have this 
different idea about how we think things are supposed to happen or how they're going to happen. And, you know, there's a different type of denial as well. Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. If you don't know the name, you'll know this. Uh, She's the one who created the five stages of grief. Uh, So probably you've heard of the five stages of grief and can be very beneficial. But the problem in her thinking, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, is she approached death as though it's peaceful. You know, it's it's to be celebrated, so to speak. It's without fear. And I'm like, no, (laughs) not true. Not a true story, okay? Fake news, right? Um, It is not peaceful. Uh, There is fear. And, and, you know, there's not this sense of joy in it because it's nothing that God designed. God's response to death that was brought into this world is to give us an opportunity to be united with him to never die. He overcame, he, he defeated death through death. I mean, and, and so, you know, whether, both of them are a denial. You know, one of them is ignore. The other one's pretend. But they're both a denial, and it's a struggle, you know, because as we think about this, you know, in some ways, we all have struggles, we all have troubles, we all have maybe a side of us that just tries to ignore, or a side of us that just tries to deny, you know, or pretend. Um, but let me just ask you this question, what's your trouble? We, we all have trouble, you know? Um... I don't know, there's probably 175 people here, it looks like, maybe in the room, maybe a little less. There's got to be at least 300 troubles in the room, right? This is the truth about life. I mean, hey, maybe today's a good day, maybe this week's a good week. We know it's not a good year, all right, okay? We're still trying to work that one out. We all got our sights set on 2022, you know what I'm saying? Um, But, you know, troubles, they come... And, and here's what I find interesting is God doesn't play around. And, and that should encourage us. He goes straight for the throat. It's like, my people have troubles. Let me just go ahead and defeat death. All troubles taken care of. Right? Because it's like if you reverse engineer that thought, if I can take care of death, which without a doubt has got to be one of the most significant, one of the most difficult struggles and troubles that you could ever have, especially when we look at the fact that we are powerless to it. Right? And he says, okay, now they can work back from that every day, every week, every month, whatever. Whatever comes our way, we can be encouraged to have faith that God is with us in that, that God has overcome the greatest thing that we need to overcome. He can overcome other things in my life. Now, our faith doesn't always work that, that way, unfortunately. It doesn't always work out that well that way. But what troubles you? I think that's a really important question as we look at the text for today. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, probably one of the most well-known things that Jesus said as he begins some really amazing content that he speaks to those who would put their faith in him. Specifically in that moment, all of his disciples, today to this moment, all of us who are wanting to know who Jesus is, learning to trust him, Learning that he can manage my troubles better than I can. So let me listen to what he has to say. So John chapter 14, if you don't have a Bible, you want to follow along, grab the the book off the rack in front of you, the Bible there. Use it. Keep it. Seriously, like you can keep it if you don't have a Bible. Nobody's going to tackle you on your way out. And, And we just look forward to getting God's word into people's hands. Uh, If you like following along on your phone, too, you can go into the events tab on Bible app. 
and we have our sermon notes loaded in there as well. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. This is what God's Word says. This is what Jesus himself says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. This is God's word. Um, you know, look, we could do a whole series of sermons on this. We've, I've got time for one, all right? And we've got about 20 minutes left. And you know, as we look at this, here is what Jesus is saying to us right here. Troubled people need peace and affirmation. I know, it's like you know, explosive information, isn't this is This is why I've been so successful as a preacher at Canoe Creek for 18 years. I say the most secretive things that you've never heard before in your life. Troubled people need peace. Bam, go home, all right? No. Um, but that's, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious, but he presents it in such a way to where it makes it even more clear and obvious. And I think we have to get our minds wrapped a little bit around there because we've got our own trouble. I think it's just really honest that we have a hard time sometimes making it palatable. How does God, who can't be here physically, really help me in my trouble and so on and so forth? Maybe getting our minds where these individuals who are receiving this can be beneficial. I mean, these disciples are about to undergo an experience that they can't even imagine. Uh, in fact, they have no clue what's coming next. And here, stack on top of that, Peter was just told by Jesus you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no way, man. I'm charging him with the sword. I got your back. And, and Jesus says, no, actually, you're going to deny me three times. And he's kind of like the, the dare I say, loud mouth of the bunch. And, and so the others got to be thinking, man, if this is going to happen with Peter, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to say? I don't know about you, but trouble sometimes and not knowing what the next step is or not knowing what to anticipate next only adds to the anxiety, right? Like if I've got something that's going on in my life and it's trouble and I'm not sure what the next step is, I don't have confidence. I only have a little bit more anxiety. I don't know how to, to prepare, how to fix it, whatever it may be. And so that anxiety is going on within these individuals as they're hearing what Jesus is saying. I have no doubt that there's many of us in this room that have either past trouble, present, we're going into trouble, and we've kind of got that air of anxiety in us because we don't know what to expect. We don't know what's next. And that's exactly the, the context in which Jesus is speaking what he is speaking here. And here's what he says. It's really important. It's really hard. Jesus doesn't just give us little simple pat answers. It's hard, but it's really important. He simply says this. Separation from fellowship in this world is an essential step to perfect union in the world to come. We need to hear that. We need to be reminded of that. We struggle with this paradox. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. What the heck does that mean, right? But Paul made it pretty clear to us how we struggle to walk in the spirit, Galatians 5. He gives us this picture of warfare, Whereas we're trying to learn how to walk in this world where everything's physical, but the kingdom's already essentially begun. Jesus is king, there's no doubt about that, at least in my faith, in my mind. Uh, he's not sitting around for a moment in which he's going to be crowned. 
one day I will see him in all of his kingly glory. All of us will. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, whether you want to or not. There's just some of us that look forward to it more than others, right? And, and the reality of it is, is that is happening at this moment. And we struggle with that. And we're trying to learn how to live a life to where we're giving our heart more over to the king, living in such a way that where you know, our reflection of what we do, how we say things, how we live, is, is more in tune with living in the kingdom of God. And so there's pale glimpses of it. And the scriptures talk about this in a variety of ways. But there is coming a time where it, there's no pale glimpse of it. It is perfectly clear. Everything is complete. It is full. The kingdom is fully engaged. Jesus Christ is glorified before all people of all time. And those in the kingdom continue to walk in eternal glory with God. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is going to be a struggle for you. This is going to be a trouble for you for a time. But just remember this, that we cannot experience that full, perfect glory and kingdom until there is a separation that takes place. And I don't know about you, but when I think about separating, I think about like a, a week old scab and a Band-Aid. Never fun. Always difficult. Whether it's the loved ones in our life, whether it's a way of life that we've been conditioned to. What, is, what does Paul mean when he tells the church in Rome that everything God is trying to do is, is to his glory? He does it, he works it out for the good of those who love him. Is that sometimes we need to be separated from the things that we're putting our faith and hope in because God knows the only way he can perfectly unite us with him in glory is through separation. And Jesus is trying to share that. And now the peace and affirmation that he gives, it is summed up in one powerful statement. I think we miss it. I think sometimes we just kind of read past it. He says this, I have a place for you. This is a powerful statement. Listen, all of us know, even if you go on vacation got the most comfortable bed, the most awesome place. I don't know what it is for you, mountain me. It's the perfect surf spot right out in front, right? There comes a time it's like, I want to go home. I want to go to my bed. I want to go to my home. I want to go to my bathroom. I want to go to my kitchen. I want to go to my stuff, my routine, you know. We, we all want Dorothy-style red ruby slippers, right? Because it's just something about us. It's something innate within us. And think about this in full circle, right? Adam and Eve, one of the most significant issues within the curse that they brought on to humanity was they were kicked out of their place. Have you ever thought about that? Adam and Eve were the first people to ever be evicted. I mean, God evicted somebody. That's, that's a trip. And, um, but it was significant. And I think the significance is coming back full circle. God's plan for thousands of years, he already had it worked out, he had it in mind, and Jesus comes along, and he doesn't just flippantly say, or just without intentionality say, I have a place for you. It's very specific. It's very unique. Just as Adam and Eve lost their place, Jesus brings us back into a position to gain the perfect place. And that's so important for us to recognize, for us to have in our heart. You think about the, the results there. Think about uh, the, the devastating blow of homelessness and what it does to the psyche of people. Having a, a place is important. I mean, look at you guys. I know where you're going to sit every Sunday. And guess what? I know if you're late because you're in a different spot. You know what I'm saying? Because we like our place. Jesus knows that. God knows that. 
And he desires to create a place for us, and he is doing that and preparing it for us as we speak. And the peace and affirmation that we need here's the, is so important. It goes beyond my abilities. It goes beyond my boundaries. What I basically mean by that is, listen, I'm sick. I want a good doctor, right? I got problems going on. I want a good counselor. I got financial issues. I want a good windfall of money my way, so to speak. You know, whenever we have these kinds of things going on, my point here is that there are things in life that trouble us. And we know how to fix some of them, maybe not others of them. We seek help for that. We want skills to fix that. What options do I have? What resources do I have? But when it comes to real trouble, when it comes to significant trouble, when it comes to the greatest troubles of the human heart, and one that says, I have a place for you, the troubles that our hearts really long for, there's only one who has a solution to that, and it is God who has a solution to our troubles. Jesus declares that he is the one preparing the place we need, the place that completely fixes all of our troubles. Cultural tell us the fix to your troubles is deep within. And there's even Christian authors nowadays, unfortunately, sadly, that just basically preach self-help. Uh, they don't really preach gospel. Um, and, and there's all kinds of things in culture. Listen, I'm going to kind of call myself out here on this one. I, I'm a, I, I, I've li- grew up listening to Leonard Skinner. I really enjoy listening to Leonard Skinner's songs. It's fun. I mean, Simple Man's a great song. Curtis Lowe is way better just because I actually know of the street corner and the jiffy where that song was written and so on and so forth. But that's a whole other story. But Simple Man, I mean, great song, terrible theology. All right, let me just go ahead and lay it out there. So when I sing that song and I get to this one part, driving down my road, I know none of you can envision that. All right, it's true, true story. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm singing it because I enjoy it, but I know it's terrible theology. Oh, don't you worry, you'll find yourself, follow your heart and nothing else. You know, then you'll be satisfied. I mean, it's narcissistic <laughs> and it's just bad. It's wrong because it's the idea of new age mysticism is in there. Um, that is, if you, if you just can get that right key, that mystery, it's going to unlock something in here. And then all of a sudden, all these mysteries are going to unflow, flow out. All your troubles are going to be fixed. And Jesus is saying something radically different, very different. He's saying the, the, our greatest troubles can only be solved by the God who is the developer and designer of all of our hearts. Uh, If there is any kind of mystery within our heart that can be unlocked, it's just because God is there. God has a monopoly on truth, by the way, and sometimes we struggle with that. here's, Here's what we're saying. Peace and affirmation for our troubled hearts can only be obtained through faith in someone greater than our troubles. Peace and affirmation for our troubled hearts can only be obtained through faith in someone greater than our troubles. And and God is that one that we put our faith in. Jesus is the one who has the ability to bring peace and affirmation to the things that we struggle with. You know, we find our greatest sense of peace and affirmation in knowing God because the more I understand him, the more I really know him, the more my faith grows. The more faith doesn't just become some general idea that one day I'll go to heaven. (laughs) The more faith becomes a a literal everyday decision in this trouble and that trouble 
to trust that God is going to see me through, to trust that God is going to give me wisdom and, and vision and how to navigate this or that. I, I found this interesting. Back in World War I, they had a contest for who could sing the best song that was cheery and lift people up because, I mean, difficult times and really hard war times. And so uh, it was George Asaph and um, uh, Felix Powell who wrote the song that won the contest, and then the title of the song is also the main theme in the song. It says, pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. What's the use of worrying? Uh, it never was worthwhile. And there's actually a movie, like an old movie with these guys singing this song as they're heading off to war. And I'm like, all right, which one do we want? Do we want to ignore or do we want to pretend Here's a sad irony in that Felix Powell, who was the one who actually composed the music, the brother of George, uh, he killed himself. Yeah, and that's the sad irony, right? When we look within, when we look to ourselves, when we think, I can fix this, we're going to miss the big picture. Learning how to surrender ourselves to God and recognize that the troubles that we have are God-sized troubles, they're not my size troubles. They're God sized troubles. And He desires to give us peace and affirmation. And so the point is, there are various things in this life that give us satisfaction from our troubles. And it's really true, right? Maybe in job, I can find a satisfaction in a career, in a project, in relationships, in this vacation, in this moment. And all those things are good. There's nothing wrong with any of them. We, we are learning how to be content in all of them, but none of them are eternal. And in fact, sometimes they're the things that bring the troubles, right? We just trade one trouble for the next, thinking this will solve it, this will fix it. Really, the only fix is found in our faith in Jesus. Peace and affirmation from our troubles can only be accomplished by coming into a place that was perfectly designed by the one who designed you. See, when Jesus says, I have a place for you, he knows exactly what he is saying. He knows our hearts better than we do. He knows our design better than we do. And he says, I have a place in which when you come in, you're going to go, oh, it fits. It finally fits. I fit in. The joy is beyond measure. The peace is beyond measure. The affirmation is beyond measure. It makes me think of what C.S. Lewis said. It's great worth repeating. I've mentioned it many times. He writes, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in, in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Listen, if we live long enough, all of us come to a place where we realize that I found satisfaction in nothing that this world can provide, you know, we'll find contentment, certainly, but full, complete satisfaction, perfect peace, perfect affirmation. This only comes in a place that can be designed by the one who designed us. Uh, listen to what uh, happens when we recognize an essential thing. Uh, John seventeen twenty four, uh, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Here's why our troubles melt away in that place. Simple, once again, revolutionary thought here, God's there. Not in part, not in peace, not in just the presence of the Spirit in my life right in this moment, but completely, fully, perfectly 
You see, God's given me a sense of peace and affirmation in the troubles that I face right now by giving the presence of the, the Spirit with me. We'll talk about it here in just a second as I wrap up. But he's wanting to encourage me and give me hope to a future where he will be revealed in his perfect glory and everything melts away. Think about it this way. This is, listen to what John says somewhere else. In 1 John, a letter that he wrote, chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. That's an awesome statement. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I love the fact that some of us, and this is a humbling thing, and that's what all of us need. Some of us think we've got everything figured out that would fix our local government, our federal government, or our this, or our that, or our boss would be better. We got it all figured out, right? And the reality of it is most of us don't even know what we're supposed to be. And John says, Jesus is designing a place, and when you come into that place, it's in that moment when you see the full glory of God, and you see the kingdom of God revealed in every way, you're going to be like, oh, this is it. I fit. God wants us to know that he has a place for us. God wants us to be with us. Uh, God wants to design a place where we can perfectly be with him forever. And here's the thing to keep in mind. We don't have a Christian theology of a hang-in-there theology. God doesn't say, oh, I know it's tough and it's difficult and just kind of muddle through life as best you can until you finally get there one day in glory and it'll be okay. I know it's hard. So on and so. Hang in their theology is, is a poor theology. Jesus says in John 14, 18 through 20, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That Christ is present with us through the Spirit now. Those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, in fact, we're about to have a baptism here in a minute, and we're excited to celebrate that. When people take the step to put their faith in God. He gives us the gift of his spirit in his life. Why? Because he wants to be with us. And it may be important in peace now, but in its future glory, it'll be perfect in every way. He gives us a sense to be able to overcome our struggle in the moment by giving us peace and affirmation. And he's designing a place where all things that are a struggle for us will melt away. And now we know or understand not all the details, but some of the details, it's given us a vision to see to the future, that we can have faith in Jesus, he's preparing a place, and just one last thought, God's not fake. He's not going to give you some pat answers and some false gospel. This is so important. This is so important, especially as we transition into a time of communion. Think about it. I've, had, I've even wrestled with this at times, but I've had people say to me, why the crucifixion? Why death? Why defeat death through death? Why did God have to come and experience that and suffer and so on? Why didn't he just snap his feet? You know, whatever. I mean, right, God's God. He can do what he wants to do. But yet, we see Jesus struggle through humanity. We see Jesus struggle through death. We see these issues. We see him troubled. And there's so many different reasons, right? Why? There, there are a lot of different reasons we could talk about. We don't have time for all of that. But in the very least... We simply see that God wants to be with us in our troubles, in our struggles, and see us through each and every one of them. He didn't 
want us denying our troubles. He doesn't want us uh, just trying to have this idea of ignorance or have this idea of pretend, unicorns and fairy tales. He wants us to be real about it. He gives us a gospel that is true, that is real, that is gritty, not something that's simple and fake and false. And all of it is just simply bring us back into relationship with him, which is the best place we can ever find ourselves. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Pray that it would do far more than we can ever do in the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, the sermons that we preach. Lord, we ask that your spirit would be with us to help us to know more what we need to know from this text, to understand it better, to get a clearer vision of what you would desire in our life. And Lord, we ask this so that we can glorify you. Uh, We know that your son Christ is glorified as an eternal king and there's no changing that. And we just want to come in concert with that. We want to come alongside of that. We want to live lives as best we can in this moment to glorify uh, what is true, what is right. Help us to have a vision to do that. Help us to understand the things that we need to know uh, to be able to do that. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.